Work is no longer just about productivity and metrics. It's about people. And when we focus on positivity, communication, belonging, and development, the numbers take care of themselves. This is Work Human Radio, where we talk to authors, researchers, and business leaders about the latest trends making work more human around the world. Here's your host, Mike Wood. Welcome to another edition of Work Human Radio. My name is Mike Wood. I'm your host, and I have a very special guest today. She's one of our humans of HR. It's Sabrina Baker. Hi, Sabrina. How are you? Hi, Mike. I'm good. How are you? Sabrina is joining us from beautiful California right now, where it is a very cold 54 degrees. <laughs> but I'm normally outside of the Boston area, so it's always snowing cold and horrible this time of year. So I'm very jealous. But I want you to give a quick overview of what you do. Yeah, sure. So yeah, it is 54 in California. And to us Californians, I know everybody else groans when I say this, but it really is cold for us. We're, we're used to 75. So 54 <laughs> is a, quite a drop. But yeah, I'm so excited to chat with you today. I am the founder of Acacia HR Solutions, which is a HR consulting firm focused in the startup and small business space. And so for us, when we are looking at small businesses, we consider that 500 employees or less. But the vast majority of our clients are actually under 100. So they're in that really small startup area or they're more established. Maybe they have 30 employees or 50 employees, 60 employees, and still just trying to find their way and need some HR assistance. A lot of them don't have a need for full-time HR help, but they need HR help. So that's where they outsource or use a consultant. I've been doing that now since 2011. I was in corporate HR before that and in very large environments. The largest company I worked for had 125,000 employees. Oh, wow. Yeah, I went on maternity leave in 2010 and was laid off. So, yeah, trying to figure out what I wanted to do Isn't that illegal? (laughs) It's not if they eliminate the position. So they can't fire me or lay me off during maternity leave and then hire somebody into that, but they can eliminate it, which they did. And so, you know, having a new baby, I had this new baby, but then I also wanted to work. And so trying to balance, like, how do I balance his life, but also work? Mm-hmm. I decided the only way I was going to be able to really do that was start my own firm. So I uh, officially started in 2011 and here we are. And here we, you are. Yeah, started in Chicago and then my family moved to LA in 2014. And I can't believe it's been five years already, but yeah. Wow. That all sounds great, except for the layoff part. But yeah, it sounds like you have moved on to better things. There are a lot of companies out there that are growing that all of a sudden say, hey, we need some HR help. And so I'm glad they can go to you. But I wanted to talk to you about kind of like the last decade and moving forward in terms of HR, what we're seeing. I mean, you and I have been to lots of conferences, including Work Human Life. But I'm kind of at the end of this year, taking a look back and say, you know, what is the biggest story? I mean, to me, I would say, and I'm not an HR, I'm a marketing guy, but I've been around the HR conferences a lot, and I would say the Me Too movement in 2017 probably stole at least everything is about equality now, and there is transparency for everything. But do you want to give your thoughts on the Me Too movement or anything else that you've seen? Yeah, so I would say definitely one of the biggest stories of the last decade is certainly the Me Too movement. And when I think about what has had the biggest impact in the last 10 years and really helped the Me Too movement move forward, it's social media, right? Mm -hmm. When I think about like 10 years ago, when I 
got laid off and started my business, social media was still kind of new back then. And and people were still very skeptical and they thought it was going to go away. And now we see with things like the Me Too movement that it's actually helping bring things to light. It's helping bring a voice to an entire movement like Me Too or Time's Up or so many other things that we're dealing with in our culture. And so I think that the social media platforms are giving a voice to things that have been around for decades and that we've had to kind of accept as truth and really didn't know how to impact on a global scale. And now we have this way to bring awareness to people who we've never been able to talk to before in our lives and and to really make a huge impact in areas through these platforms. So I think definitely Me Too and Time's Up and those things are huge news stories. And I'm fascinated by the fact that maybe 20 years ago, we wouldn't have been able to make them as big as they are had we not had the platforms that we have available to us today. Yeah, I think it's just a lot of it has been these open secrets that have been out there. The Boston Globe broke the whole priest story back in, I think, either the later part of last decade slash earlier part of this decade. And it was kind of like an open thing. It was a rumor that people heard about this bad behavior going on. People have heard about Weinstein with his bad behavior. People have heard about it, but there was never enough fire to that one voice who's willing to speak up. And then all of a sudden social media comes around and you have all these victims that are able to get their story out and then other people join in and say, you know what, that's happened to me too. And then you kind of lift the veil off of the problem. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it's, um, and I would say another thing that I've seen over the last decade that I think is going to get more coverage moving into 2020 is mental health. And so it's another one of those things that you traditionally, you don't talk about, you keep it to yourself, but now we're saying that you should talk about it because there's a lot of people struggling with it. I think suicide is among one of the top killers of people under 21 still. I think that some of the HR conferences that I've been on, there are more and more people that are speaking about the need for you to take care of your employees and their mental health because I don't think there's that work-life balance anymore. Everything's integrated because the technology's gotten to the point where you're always on. Oh yeah, definitely. I would totally agree with the mental health thing and say that I'm an old lady and when I started... (laughs) It certainly was not something we talked about and not even something you thought about. And when you thought about mental health, you thought about very serious mental health. You thought about somebody who was really, just really had some things going on. You didn't think about people who may have mental health issues, but are absolutely going through their day. You didn't even know they were sitting next to you and maybe they were struggling with depression or whatever it may be. And so I definitely think it's become more of a a conversation and really the employee experience as a whole, right? How do we just better treat our employees like human beings, not this transactional thing of you come to work and I give you a paycheck, but really how do we have these relationships? How do we think about mental health? How do we think about all of these things? I can remember, again, with social media, when all of this mental health stuff started and people, friends of mine would come out and start telling their stories. And I had known them for years or colleagues that I'd worked with for years. And I was like, what? You struggle with this? We had no idea just because it was such a stigma thing that nobody wanted to talk about. And it's certainly becoming 
more accepted. I think people are trying to learn how to better deal with these things in the workplace. And so I think it's all moving in a good direction. And again, I think the fact that we are lending voice to these things is super positive. I'm excited where it goes in the next decade. Yeah. And I think you have to look at what your employees are dealing with is going to be a mirror of what society is dealing with. I mean, I graduated high school in 2001, believe it or not. And a lot of the people that I have been in class with that I see that I keep up on Facebook, now we're having these people in their 30s that are all of a sudden succumbing to like a heroin addiction or painkillers or something. But there's now all these deaths. And I just didn't know that there was that much of a drug problem. I guess I was a little naive. But now you have like the whole country as a whole is going through a drug problem. And so you have to be able to address that on a company space and provide resources to help people. Yep, absolutely. Because for a long time, it was keep it out of the workplace, right? Whatever you yep. do on your own time is your own issue. And and it was like, you come to work and you need to leave all that at the door. And now it's not, we realize employees can't do that. We can't expect them to just leave everything at the door, especially if they're really struggling with something. And so there's still some holdout. You still have people, leaders, especially who want to just say, I don't want to deal with that. They should leave that at home or deal with that on their own time. But I think slowly we're getting to the place where it's becoming more accepted that we need to talk about it and we need to figure out what our role is as employers in helping employees through these things. So I'll play a little bit of a devil's advocate. So you would have people that would say, oh, well, it's not the employer's responsibility to tackle some of these issues like mental health and addiction and whatnot. That's more of a government thing. Like, where is the line? So, I mean, do you hear that from some companies that may not be something that they want to necessarily get into because they don't feel it's their place? You know, ironically enough, I hear it less in my business than I did in my HR career. Small businesses and startups are notoriously great, I think, at helping employees with these things because they're so small and tight, right? And they're all friends and there's only 20 of them. So they really interact in each other's lives. So I hear it less in this space, but certainly in larger businesses, I will hear they are afraid to get too involved, right? They're afraid to get too involved because then they could get in trouble for being overly involved. And so they do tend to have this where smaller businesses don't care how involved they get. You know, they're not thinking about the risk of getting too involved. They just want to help their colleague because they're friends. In a larger business, sometimes I'll hear it more where they don't know where the line is. They don't want to get too involved. They don't want to infringe on somebody's personal life. And so they would rather not do anything because they're afraid of stepping crossing a line somewhere. So I think finding what that line is, finding that balance and doing that through what kind of leave policies are we offering? What kind of work flex are we offering? What kind of help for either mental health or for needing to take maybe substance abuse? I have lots of clients who are writing policies now around substance abuse. And if you have an issue, here's how the company's going to help you. And so, you know, I think keeping it diplomatic, but also creating this space where employees really can get the help that they need through their employer, it's not crossing a line. And it's something I think that we're going to have to do as time moves on. I want to kind of address a little bit of work flex. So, I mean, as technology has gotten better and as everybody now has a computer in their pocket or access to anything that they would do at work, essentially at their home, do you feel that moving into the future, we're going to need to kind of address 
the lack of human to human connections, you think? If we were to go over like 10 years from now, do you think there'll be less of like the basic office decorum type of thing that, that people like basic people skills? Yeah, I really do. So my husband and I talk about this all the time. And again, I go back to, we're not that much older than you, but a couple years. And so I look at just the difference and how I interacted and how my son's interacting with his friends. And it's very tech-based. And even in workplaces, you know, I was at a client yesterday and we're in a meeting and everybody's got their laptops and their phones. And I'm like, hey, can we shut all this down and talk to each other? Because that's what we really need to do here to get this over with. And so I think people are going to have to address, we're going to have to have some kind of limits that we put in place around, okay, this is a no tech zone for a little while because we need to actually <laughs> talk to each other. And yeah. I think that if if we don't start doing that actually earlier, then people are going to struggle. I wonder if kids are going to struggle as they grow up to really have meaningful connections with people because their lives are so tech focused. Now, does your son's school have a policy against phones or anything? I'm just curious. So they can bring phones. They cannot have the Wi-Fi turned on. Oh. Yeah. So they let them bring them because some parents say, I want my kid to have a phone because what if there's an emergency? Yep. What if there's a mass yep. shooter? You know, all the things that can happen. So parents fought for them to be able to have phones. The older kids, I don't, we don't see many kindergartners with phones, but he's in fourth grade. And so certainly a lot of his friends are getting them now. A lot of the fifth graders have them. So the school, yeah, says absolutely. They can bring them that way. If there's an emergency, they have them, but they must turn off the Wi-Fi. They can't have their phones out for any reason unless they truly need to contact somebody for an emergency. Cool. I actually saw a uh, black mirror where the mom was able to put a tracking device essentially on her kid and basically see everything that the kid sees. And I, it was funny. So the black mirror, it's obviously the worst case scenario. And obviously nothing good happens on that. But I saw a commercial from Verizon that you can actually put a tracker on your kid's phone so that if they go within or outside of like 60 miles of a circle, you get an alert. And that just like, it boggles my mind. I mean, yes, it's good for safety, but there's no like thrill of like playing hooky or doing something cool that's different. Everybody's following you. Yeah, it's hard to know where the line is, right? Because as a mom, I would love to know where my kid is all the time and what he's doing. And But then as somebody who obviously was a kid at one point, I would have hated my mom to have that kind of that kind of access to me. And so, yeah, it's hard to, especially with children and the stuff that they're facing these days to figure out where is that tech line. And I even struggle with, if it were up to him, he would come home and spend his afternoon on his iPad or watching YouTube yeah. or playing video games, which we don't let him do during the week, but if he could, he would. And I want him to do other things, but I don't feel comfortable sitting him outside and playing down the street like I did when I was young. It's like this balance of you want him to do the things that you could do when you were young, but it's a different world these days. And yeah, you can't go off and explore the woods or yeah, go ride bikes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, bad people ruined it for everybody. Didn't they? <laughs> Didn't they? It's, yeah, it's really tough. So I think that we're going to continue because technology is just going to increase, right? It's not going to... Yep lesson. So I think we're going to continue to be figuring out where that balance is of where does tech end and how do we put limits on it? But then also how do we use it for all the great things that it's done for us? Exactly. It's a hard balance. Yeah. You can use it to bring people together and to be exposed 
to new experiences, but yeah, it just can't take over everything. So yeah. So thank you for joining me for a little talking about the future and kids and stuff on, on Work Human Radio. I hope you have a wonderful holiday. Yeah, thanks. You too. Again, this is Sabrina Baker. Sabrina, can you give your website a plug just so people can read your content? Sure. So the website is AcaciaHRSolutions.com. And then you can find me, Sabrina L. Baker on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Great. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you. If you want to see business leaders, culture keepers, and industry experts come together to share the latest research and ideas for making work more human, you need to be at Work Human Live in 2020, May 11th through the 14th in San Antonio. Visit WorkHuman.com to see the full lineup of speakers and reserve your spot in the number one conference of 2020. 